Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. We start tonight with a Point of View exclusive. As I'm sure you've heard, Governor Burgum at his pressers talk about the CARE 19 app. It's called the CARE 19 app. It's essentially a tracking app for this COVID-19 situation. Um, we had the app developer on our show just a little while back. His name is Tim Brookings and he actually used to work at Microsoft with Governor Burgum. So I requested the CARE 19 app contract between the state and Mr. Brookings. You can see it here. It's only about three pages. It's up on our Facebook page. It's up on my Twitter page. If you want to go and read it, it's an entirety. Um, I would encourage you to do that. One thing, and I didn't get a chance to peruse it today, but one thing that jumped out to me is that the contract is for $9,500. So you and I are spending $9,500 for this contract, for this app. But the reason that $9,500, you may remember that kind of number, why it's important is because remember from the North Dakota legendary logo, that contract was also below the $10,000 mark. Now, why is that important? So if you're going to do a contract with the state and you do it below $10,000, then that contract does not need to go out for what's called a formal RFP or a formal request for proposal. So it doesn't really give you a lot of competition. It sort of says, hey, it's below this amount. You know, we'll go with that kind of deal. So just want to make that note. I would invite you to please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash POV. Now you can read it in its entirety there. If you have any feedback or thoughts about it, please let us know. Also, I've been seeing uh, a lot of ads. I'm sure you have as well, possibly, but a lot of advertisements on Twitter, YouTube, online for this CARE 19 app. I also requested an open records request from the governor's office just to find out exactly how much money you and I, because it's going to be our tax dollars, how much money you and I are spending to advertise an app that's going to track us. So, again, go to our Facebook page, check it out. We'll have more information for you very, very soon. All right, we talked about this last night. The House Ag Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Congressman Colin Peterson, also Minnesota Governor Tim Walls, they were at the JVS plant in Worthington, Minnesota earlier today. They had a press conference there. A lot of it was in response to, of course, the food supply chain is having some challenges. President Trump used the Defense Production Act to keep these meatpacking plants open. You can see the full presser, again, up on our Facebook page. But I want to share with, share with you some of what Chairman Peterson had to say earlier today. There's going to be a couple different clips here. The first one, as he talked about, he had talked with the Vice President Pence today, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue. Here's what Chairman Peterson had to say. Uh, but I just want to say that I think the biggest issue is making sure that these workers in this plant are safe. And I can tell you that Tim and I are not going to support anything unless these workers are happy, safe, and comfortable going back to work. That's one of the big situations right now is that with this Defense Production Act, we're putting people back to work where there's been a concentration of this COVID-19 outbreak. We know that from Smithfield Foods down in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So I did some research just to see how prevalent the COVID outbreak is in what's called Nobles County. That's where the JPS meatpacking plant is located at. You can see here, I tweeted this out earlier today, but Nobles County, Minnesota, it's the home of the plant. Pretty interesting numbers here. Nobles County has got a total population, according to the 2010 census, of about 21,378. The Nobles County positive COVID rate, they've got 615 cases, so that gives you a positive rate of 2.87% versus Clay County. You can see our population there, how many cases we have. So a 0.25% positive rate of COVID in Clay County. Pretty big 
distinction there. So the density, obviously, of the positive cases, I think some would say is quite an alarming rate considering how um, not densely populated, how sparsely populated Nobles County is. All right, Chairman Peterson also talked about all the livestock that may end up having to be euthanized because of this distribution or lack thereof situation. So he put out a pretty dire warning today um, saying, hey, look, if we don't get this figured out, we may not have food on the shelves or at least pork, I should say, in three weeks. He also suggested if there's no food on the shelves, this could happen. Listen to this. So I, I think it's probably hard for somebody that, that thinks that their, their uh, food comes from the grocery store, you know, and that's a big problem, you know, that we have not only with hogs, but everything else in this country. And unfortunately, if we don't get this thing sold, the people are going to find out because we're not going to have pork on the shelves. We're about three weeks away from not having pork on the shelves in the grocery stores. And maybe that will wake people up, you know, that this is... Uh, the bigger issue than, than just whether we're going to go hungry or not. It's, it's a national security issue. The United States has got to have a food supply, you know, uh, for national security. If, food, if people don't have food, we're going to have riots. Okay, that was Chairman Congressman Peterson, Chairman of the House Ag Committee. You heard him there saying, hey, look, food is a national security issue. We all know that. But he also just said at the end there, if we don't have food on the shelves, you could, we could be looking at riots going on. So we'd love to know your point of view on that. And joining us now, he's the Democrat candidate running for Congress here in North Dakota, Zach Rackenroot on our 702 Communications line. He put out a statement, I believe it was yesterday or maybe earlier today, Zach, but saying that, hey, if we're going to put these packing plant workers back to work, they need federally funded hazard pay. Zach, welcome back to Point of View. Just explain a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish here for these workers. Sure. So when you uh, talk about something as serious as, as the Defense Production Act, um, looking to bring those folks into work, uh, it's 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 a situation where we need to ensure that they understand how valued their work is. And so the federal government government needs to step up and say, hey, if we're going to require that you go back to work or open up operations, then we're going to step in and we're going to ensure that uh, you're given uh, extra pay on top of that for the for the job you're doing, keeping this nation fed. And that's incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a very valid point, Zach, because if you look at we're paying people now actually more money not to work. And here we are asking these people to put their, you know, be on the front lines, if you will, to produce food. So we don't have riots, as Chairman Peterson said. So I think you've got a valid point. How do you go about getting something like you're suggesting done? Well, with the invocation of the Defense Production Act, the president would have authority to shift funds from uh, allocated, previously allocated funds. Um, beyond that, it would just be looking to uh, get it get it done through Congress through the the relief packages that we've seen, and ensuring that if we're going to uh, enable something as severe as the Defense Production Act, then we need to back it up with uh, with actions and ensuring that these these folks are compensated fairly for the 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 incredibly vital work they're doing. Hey, Zach, I tried to find the actual Defense Production Act order that President Trump signed. I didn't get a chance to see it, but there were some reports that he was going to sign this in order to sort of indemnify uh, the corporation. So if there were some issues where workers got sick or ended up dying, then families wouldn't be able to come back and sue the company. Is there any veracity to that? Did you get a chance to see that? I didn't see that, but I would say on that that if that's the case, that's unacceptable. That means to ensure that if uh, companies are being negligent and not rolling out the absolute uh, top of the line safety measures in this crisis, then they need to be held accountable for those actions. All right, I want to get your take on this as well, because um, Kylie Overson, the chairwoman of the North Dakota Democrat Party, put out a statement about Governor Doug Burgum 
reopening the state, if you will, opening up the restaurants, the bars and whatnot. She says the governor today is, is uh, fine taking greater risks with the health of North Dakotans, and we hope people don't get sick or die as a result. What's your take on Governor Bergen, Burgum reopening, if you will, North Dakota? I think Governor Burgum has access to more information than I do. I'm focused on my race right now, which is for the U.S. House of Representatives, and I'm focused on what Congress should be doing to ensure that we help the American people get through this. Right, but I mean, as a North Dakotan, so as a North Dakotan who's running for a leadership office, do you support the idea of reopening restaurants and bars and gyms and things of that nature or no? If the data supports getting to that point, then yes. It's just a matter of where do we stand in that. And uh, I trust that, Doug, that Governor Burgum would have uh, access to more information than I do personally to make that kind of call. So I, I, I wouldn't say I have a definitive answer either way because the data, you need really, really strong data for a decision like that to be made. All right, let me ask you this way, last question. Uh, how would you grade Governor Burgum as far as handling this COVID-19 situation here in North Dakota? I'm not about giving grades, but I do appreciate the fact that he has treated it with a sense of urgency and allowed us to take preventative measures to slow the spread. And I'm hoping that the, the data that he is privy to is is a set that uh, will will ultimately be the best for North Dakota because we want to ensure that uh, we, we get through this as strong as we can. All right. I'd say he's doing a pretty good job. We've had low hospitalization rates, low death rates. I'd say things are going pretty darn well here. So Zach Racknerud, again, running for Congress as a Democrat. Thanks for the time and the insight, sir. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Also, another big story today, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit, is the fact that Costco made a big announcement that starting on May 4th, May the 4th be with you, on May 4th, which is this coming Monday, everyone that goes in there and frequents their business needs to wear a face mask. So we asked you on our Facebook page earlier today, do you support Costco's decision that starting Monday, you will have to have to wear a face mask in order to enter their stores. Please go to our Facebook page. We'll give you those poll results coming up at the end of tonight's show. But here's what some of you were saying on our Facebook page. One of you said this, hey, I guess if I worked at Costco or Walmart or Target or the jam-packed Menards, I'd want to see everyone walking by me with their extended family in tow with a face mask on. Another person said this, why wouldn't someone, quote unquote, support it if they believe in liberty and that private businesses can choose whatever policies that, can we bring this up, please? Choose whatever policies they want in their stores. It may inconvenience you, but it's just the business's choice. If you don't want to shop there while, while they temporarily acquire masks, that's your choice. If you can't get a mask or don't have one, you can call them to complain. That's fine too. Maybe they will reach out to you and say they will try to have masks available at the entrance. You can retain one for their business. So thank you for the comments. There's a bunch up there. Again, if you want to take that poll, please go to our Facebook page. But of course, there's also other posts that were up there as well. And this was actually trending on Twitter a little bit today. Let's bring this picture up for people where uh, some people on Twitter were talking about this Costco situation as well and said this. Do we have this graphic, please, where it says this picture, if we have it, uh, no, it's not that one. But this guy was having some fun, too. So it says, uh, I don't know if you know what that is. Let's bring that back up, Zach, please. Uh, we've got the situation there where a guy says, hey, look, when these bars and breweries reopen, hopefully we're going to be able to have some fun here. And that is like the top of a baby wipes scenario. And speaking of masks, Zach, do we have the Vice President Pence graphic where 
there was sort of an uproar yesterday. As you know, Vice President Pence was going through Mayo. They suggested he wear a mask. Everyone else was wearing a mask, but Vice President Pence was not wearing a mask. Would love to know your point of view on that, where Vice President Pence chose not to wear a mask as he was going through the Mayo Clinic on his visit through Minnesota yesterday. All right, stay with us. Coming up, we're going to give you those poll results we just talked about a moment ago. But hey, do you, how do you feel about having to wear a mask as you head into Costco? Plus, some great feedback that came into last night's show. We'd love to know your thoughts on the CARE 19 app. Also, what Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Congressman Colin Peterson, said as well. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. we got much more coming up right after this.